passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Bruns, Brian Christofferson here on February 23rd. A quick podcast for you today, but we caught up with the remaining coaches at Nebraska, uh, Rob Dvorak and Donovan Rayola spoke yesterday. Corey Campbell, the head strength coach, spoke yesterday. So we wanted to dive into some of that here to round out the week. Uh, where do we want to start? What, um, actually I'm, I'm not even going to leave it up to you. I'm just going to make decisions. Brian Christopherson, what were your, uh, we'll start with Corey Campbell. He was the first one that spoke. What were your thoughts on Nebraska's strength coach? I thought he presented himself well. Um, I mean, it was kind of interesting hearing his, his background with, um, Matt Rule, like they they both shared the same strength coach at one point. Um, uh, John Thomas is the coach's name, who who coached Campbell at Georgia and also Rule at Penn State. And it was just one of those links where I think that was like the connecting point. And then you realize you sort of have all these ideals you share. You know, you're both former walk-ons, and you kind of have to, um, you know, if you come up through that route, you kind of have to have the same sort of mentality to try to have success and I think they kind of bonded over that and just sort of the way they want to operate so I think a person listening in at least first impression would say they they have to like how the visions of the head coach and strength coach are aligned and how um together they seem like you know he said that rules constantly in communication with him about like new concepts you know like hey not to get in his way, but hey, you want to? Should we try this? Have you seen this and and things of that nature? So, um, I thought some some of that inside stuff was interesting, and um, you know, he, he's a guy who uh, you know I, I think he he got people's attention too by showing up right when Rule did. You know, Campbell didn't just get here like in late December, early January. He he was there at the initial press conference, and uh, he said he wanted to set the tone that strength and conditioning is a big deal around here. And um, 
this is sort of how we want to operate and try to get that implemented as fast as he can. So also just how much he was involved in like the planning of the new facility and the setup there as we kind of, I don't know if they're going to give tours or whatever, but he had a big say when he was here in December and like how that's going to look. And so, uh, I mean, one of the most important guys in the whole operation is Corey Campbell. There's no doubt about it. I was actually, you know, you mentioned that Brian about, um, his say and what the the new thing is going to look like. I was kind of surprised that I hadn't really ever considered that before. Does that make sense? Like, you know, different string coaches are going to want things to work a different way. They're going to want things to be set up a different way. They might even want the space to look a different way. But I, you know, in my, uh, in my brain where exercise is, you know, a thing that happens maybe once or twice a week, maybe, maybe, you don't really think about the setup of the weight room and the value of having everything kind of put up just how you want it. So if you're doing station to station to station or anything else, it definitely seems like there's a lot of thought process that goes into it, but not when you're like me and you know, you, you really try to avoid thinking about exercise. That's how you get to look like this. And it's not just where the barbells are set up and stuff. It's uh, (laughs) I, it's the layout of the whole thing is what I took a lot. You've, you're starting to pick up a lot um, from this staff about recovery, uh, you know, and not, not that that's not part of every strength and conditioning operation, but I think it's an extreme focus of this staff. Um, you know, availability is the best ability is the old quote and uh, rule uses it too. And it's that idea that they really had to work on that because I mean, they, they were all in Carolina and you think about the NFL and what a grind it is to like get guys ready for the next Sunday, you know, after going to battle. And then it's like the Tuesday, Wednesday that you, you guys follow your own teams and you know that there's like, is this guy going to play? And you got to mm-hmm. kind of work through it throughout the week. So I, he spoke about how that um, experience can be pretty useful in the recovery process. You know, having been through the NFL where guys are getting a little older and the wear and tear and you got to figure out a way to how are they present? for the next game, you know, in addition to building up strength. Uh, And he also had a quote to inspire us. He said, I'm a firm believer that there is no substitute for strength and no excuse for the lack of it. So I'm going to put that up. (laughs) 5 a.m. for my triangle. Yes, I like that. Brunts, are you at all surprised? I mean, another thing that kind of stood out to me is that Corey Campbell was up there talking to the media in like a, press conference setting i mean i i don't remember seeing this uh under previous strength coaches i mean some of them more notorious than others for just avoiding any kind of media coverage or talking about what they were doing at all what do you make about that Bruns? that that Corey campbell uh was out front and center and to me it seems like this is a guy that's probably going to be available if if you want to have that conversation yeah, no, it's it's noteworthy, I think. I mean, that's – I'm trying to think in the past. It's always been a, a a job that's kind of like hidden away in the shadows. Yeah. You, you don't have time to to talk to media because it's you're, you're too busy with the the pounding of weights and, uh, you know, kind of the, the Rocky Four outpost kind of situation. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's – I think more of a reflection too of Matt rule. I mean, I I think he's, 
completely comfortable with putting the people that he's hired in front of the media. I think he trusts them. I think, um, you know, I think too, with strength and conditioning, it, it, uh, I think it's important to hear from those coaches. I mean, those are the coaches that are around the players more than anybody over the course of a year. They're the ones that are responsible for taking what the head coach wants and like putting it into practice in the the dark months of January and February when, you know, you're getting the the bulk of your work done. So it's nice. I mean, hearing the intention behind things I think is important when, you know, maybe you get into September and October and you have a rash of injuries or, you know, guys are performing differently than they had before. You know why. And it's not, you know, one of these kind of like, oh, you know, whispered things. Oh, they're doing more Olympic style lifts or, you know, they're, they're not maxing out as much as they had before. Those kinds of things. So um, it's it's a nice change. I mean, I. The, the, I mean, there's a reason that your strength coach makes a ton of money is because they're, they're kind of like that that connector for so many pieces of your program and making sure that it gets going in the right direction. He also real quick. He also, I mean, he also stressed that, you know, the, the workouts as as you would hope are, it's not about being a professional weightlifter here. It's about tailoring it toward what specific assistant coaches value, you know, and their players as far as what, what can help them have, um, maximize their skill at that particular position. And I I would think that's how it goes most places. As he said, most operations around the country are sort of doing the same thing. It's about who's willing to sort of put in the extra because everybody's kind of has a playbook that is pretty similar. You're not like usually coming up with ideas that haven't been thought of before for the most part. Uh, but but that's interesting, too, is just the connection. I've He talked on a previous podcast about this, too, that he has with each of the position coaches and sort of what do you want? Like, you know, you got to have that plan for for different groups and, and it's going to vary. And so, um, yeah, I, I think uh, he's at an advantage because he knows those coaches well, most of them. You know, he, he does have to get to know a couple of them like Tony White is new to him. Uh, but most of those guys, uh, he's been around. And so you kind of already have an idea of what they want out of their athletes and how they operate. No doubt about it. One of those coaches he's going to have to have those conversations with and learn a little bit more about is Donovan Rayola, who stood up and spoke about the offensive line for the first time since last spring. I don't even think we got him in fall camp last year. So um, that was, it was noteworthy for a variety of reasons, but Donovan Rayola, uh, up there talking about his offensive line, talking about where guys like Ben Scott um, potentially slot in and, you know, what Nori Newelli was up to. It was it was an informative conversation uh, with, with Donovan Rayola. BC, what, what would you say was the biggest thing you took away from Nebraska's offensive line coach? And I'm just going to remove sort of the rule relationship element because that was a big part of it. You know, he's the one holdover but more so the nuts and bolts in the offensive line conversation. What was your biggest takeaway from Donovan Rayola? Um, I mean, publicly he, he wouldn't commit to Scott at center. I guess that's, you got to note that, but that's what it's going to be. I mean, um, so, I mean, you, I'm just saying what he said, that that's what he said, right? He, he wouldn't, 
he didn't want to fish sure. it. Yeah. And that, I think that's just for competition, you know, and, and all that. But it, it sure feels like that would be uh, what it is. Um, I thought what he said about Prohaska was kind of interesting. Um, just, so, you know, it's really tough when you're a guy who's had back-to-back injuries um, that are so serious in nature to keep your head up. And it sounds like Teddy's really excelled at that for what his situation is and has been involved in all the meetings and and everything like that. And um, I wrote a little thing about Teddy last night. I mean, Teddy to me is like still, we do that most indispensable Huskers list. He's going to be up there again for me Um, because I mean, you look at the tackle situation, especially, um, you know, after the one went, they thought they had went to Oklahoma and um, you know, they've had, Kevin Williams leave and Hunter Anthony leave. And I'm not saying those guys were necessarily playing a lot, but there's only like three or four guys you really can name there at the tack two tackle spots that we know for sure. Um, and so if, if Teddy can get right and just lock down a spot for a full year, that changes the whole equation of the offensive line. And frankly, the offense as a whole, um, if he can't, and there's a struggle there, uh, it, there, that's a big, big question mark. So uh, anything I hear about Teddy is interesting to me. Yeah, it, we're pointing out that this is his third spring, but he's only been able to participate as a freshman. He's missed the last two springs. He's missed a lot of game time. I I think that Teddy Prohaska is really interesting, but I do think that all of this time missed, like it's, it's hard to just come back from that and step yeah. in right away and be a competent, uh, good left tackle. Like that's a... That might be right there why Walter Nolan was looked so hard at as a left tackle for Nebraska because Teddy Prohaska just doesn't have as much experience and and doesn't have that time to really learn at practice either because he's just been unfortunately hurt the last couple of years. Brunch, anything you want to add on on Donovan Rayola? No, I think BC hit on well. I mean, it, I I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit at the the Scott thing. Like, I think we know where that's where that's going. Um, I mean, it, it's it's an interesting room. I mean, he you have pretty much the same cast of characters, minus you know you're you're adding Scott to it. Um, no Hickson, but you get Scott, and then you'll have Nori Newelli back. Yeah, I mean Newelli's a big piece there, and it's you know I I do wonder if there's value in in having the same voice two years in a row. I mean that that's a group that has you know you had a rotating cast of characters, an offensive coordinator and different approaches there um you know maybe there's a a benefit there to having Rayola for another year and having Matt Rule heavily involved in the offensive line I I think he's going to be so um that 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 to me you know is at least a positive when you have so much in flux in the program right now with with new coaches and new approaches to things absolutely all right, let's jump over to Rob Dvorak, the last coach uh, that we had not met yet, that we had not talked to. Um, any takeaways? Uh, we'll start with Brunts this time from uh, from Rob Dvorak. What you learned from Nebraska's linebackers coach and the chaos that he hopes to bring? Yeah, it's. Uh, I thought his description of of Tony White's defense was pretty good. Um, you know, I, I think everybody's this spring is going to be trying to wrap their arms a little bit about around kind of what that means, what a three, three, five means, what it's actually going to look like. Uh, I, I don't know that it's an easy defense to kind of put into a box for what they're going to do. Um, you know, I, I, 
I am eager to see with the Vorchek's group who ends up where. I mean, because I, I think that position more than a lot of them, you've got to figure out who can help you on the edge, who could go up and uh, you know, be a fourth down lineman if they need it, um, who can cover in space the way that they need it to. I mean, is there a rover in that group? Um, you know, they, they have two returning starters and Henrich, who's not going to be going through spring and uh, uh, Luke Reimer. But beyond that, I mean, there, there's a lot of guys that were well thought of as recruits that really haven't been counted on at all to this point. Um, so th- th- there's a lot of evaluation work, I think, for Rob Dvorak to do this spring to figure out what the heck he has over there. Plus, you know, the, the, the additions that they made uh, out of the transfer portal, too. Yeah, you bring up a, a great point, and so we'll just we'll play this game right now. With Nick Henrich out for the spring, who is Nebraska's second-best linebacker behind Luke Reimer? Um, I, I don't have an answer for you because, obviously, Ernest Hausman is gone. Um, you don't have Garrett Nelson or O'Shawn Mathis anymore. We haven't seen a lot from Makai Bear or Randolph Gapai or Seth Malcolm. Um, is is Garrett Snodgrass still in the mix there, I guess? like, yeah, I mean, he's in the mix. I mean, I think you're hoping – you're honestly hoping the answer is one of those new guys, um, you know, be it a Sherman, be it a Chief Borders. Um, you know, I – I've heard good things about chief borders, like how he's adapted and stuff like that. And you're talking about two guys who come from the sec ranks where they know what work's supposed to look like and all that. So that I don't think they're probably phased by the Corey Campbell workouts and stuff like that. Uh, so yeah, that that's sort of what you're um, ideally both those guys hit and that immediately changes your depth perception of, of that room. Um, I didn't know exactly where those guys were going to be labeled too when they arrived, yeah. like what they were, but they're, they are listed at linebackers right now. And obviously the puzzle pieces can change throughout the spring. Kapai still interests me. Um, you know, Randolph. Um, he just, needs to spend a lot of time with Corey Campbell and whoever is feeding the, the players. I just, every time I see him, I'm like, Hey, you're the same skinny kid that was visiting four years ago. Yeah. He's got to have a good, uh, good off season with that. But I mean, just like, I, I think about him as a recruit. He's one of those guys when he came out, you're just like, man, his skill set's really intriguing. And, but you do have to put the weight on there and, um, you know, be big ready. Uh, but yeah, I, I think those new guys is who I look at for Sherman and borders and like, what do you got? And um, when they show the little workout pictures and tease you with videos and stuff, I think those guys are in the jerseys that are valued that show their their thought well of and stuff like that so i don't know maybe maybe that'll maybe that'll pop is linebacker quietly a concern for either of you guys yeah quietly I'm I, still I, more it's con- not the biggest thing but it definitely stands out to me when you kind of look at the roster it's uh i mean i'm I'm perpetually concerned about defensive line. It keeps me up at night. Um, I, I struggle to sleep sometimes because of the picture there. Linebackers probably right right behind there um, in line for my level of concern. Defensive back, what I feel about okay. the offensive one? Uh, I would, in in my order of concern, I would say yes. defensive line keeps me up at night. Offensive line, I think about while I'm sitting at a stoplight. Just you know, 
how, how it's going. Can that group uh, take the next step? And I'd say linebackers probably right after that. You know, where are you at when you're thinking about linebackers? Probably the grocery store. Okay. Just uh, picking up my picking up my produce, wondering who that second best linebacker is, and if they got a guy that can get after the quarterback. What produce would make the best linebacker go? <laughs> it's not a real question. You don't have to answer. This. <laughs> kale, kale. It's tough. It's gritty. Yeah, and you don't like it. Kale. Okay. Well, there you go. That's what Brunt thinks about when he's shopping for kale, linebacker yep. play. Yep. Just I like that. Do you have any other places that you think about football? No, just, just randomly. Those, just those those three places. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, let's uh, let's finish up here with a little basketball. We're like I said, it's going to be a short podcast. A little basketball here. BC, how you feeling for Saturday? What have you learned? Um. I mean, I, I feel like Nebraska's now a favorite in a game. The last few weeks they, in these games they've won, they've they've been the underdog, you know. So they, they got to play with a little bit of the target on their back this Saturday. So that's a little bit of a different deal. I said in the previous podcast, I'm a little worried about this one um, just because, you know, it's sort of that psychology aspect of sports where everybody's kind of patting you on the back. And, and sometimes it kind of – it's not said within a, the locker room, I'm sure, but it's sort of this perception that builds like, well, the Minnesota game can be a win. And then what can you get done after that? So you have to avoid all that. You have to kind of get your mind off of like, that's the idea. And, and remember, um, you know, this team has to scrap every time on the floor and each guy has to do their niche role really well uh, for it to be successful because there's, there's not a lot of margin for error. And I think if you just keep taking the floor with that idea in mind, like thin margin for error um, and, uh, you know, somebody new has got to sort of be the wild card every game to to go along with the Tom Monaga show. Um, and then they'll be fine, I think, if that happens. But uh, I'm a little bit worried about this game. Um, I, 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 I definitely am not going there thinking it's in the bag by any means. Thinking about it when you're looking at fruit at the grocery store. I, I, I haven't I haven't thought about it, the grocery store, but maybe tomorrow that'll that'll kick in. All right, <laughs> real, real we, quick here. Oh, we are talking about basketball, though. I mean, we are like yeah. legitimately like this is a second podcast in a row. We're talking hoops, and let's be honest, they've earned it. Yeah, they have earned it, and um, probably a couple <laughs> weeks. Well, we didn't suspect we would be sitting here thinking like, well, maybe they can get in the postseason. And I, I started thinking today, I have not normally gone to Iowa City to watch that game. And they play Iowa to finish the regular season. I was thinking like, I might have to, I have to, I might have wow. to try. Yeah. The, uh, have you started doing the who has to win and who has to lose for Nebraska to get, to get an NIT berth? Are we to that point yet? No. We're not Nebraska a bubble still has to. I think they have to get to 16 wins before you can really think about that. So yeah. that would mean they gotta they gotta beat Minnesota, then they gotta take care of Michigan State uh, or yeah. Iowa. So once they're there, but other people seem to think that if they can just get to 500, they're golden for the NIT. So, so you, you so you're not like breaking down MIAC schedules and stuff like no. that. 
Honestly, guys, the hardest thing right now is to figure out how the hell Nebraska is not going to play on Wednesday night in the, the Big Ten tournament because this conference just keeps beating each other. Uh, Nebraska needed some results to go the other way this week, but Wisconsin took care of Iowa. Uh, I forget who uh, Michigan State beat Indiana. So these teams that you're kind of hoping to jump in the conference keep winning. And I mean, we're looking at a like, what, eight car pileup at 10 and 10 if Nebraska is able to get there. So um, they may not be able to, to work their way off of that, that Wednesday night special that we've come to know and love with big 10 conference tournament. But if you're, if you're getting to a, having to get to a win number, that's maybe okay. Isn't it? Like yeah, if, if, if you go 10 and if you're 10 and 10, which means they went out, they'd be 17 and 14 going into that game. If you were to win there, then you're 18 and 14. Plus you set up a matchup that if you somehow win that all of a sudden you've got another quad one win and then you're at 19 and 14 the the bracket is incredibly soft this year then you kind of talk about like are they how far are they from the first you know first four out picture here so if you really wanted to dive into scenarios that would be uh that would be the route that nebraska probably needs if they're going to somehow get into the ncaa tournament without winning the conference tournament as as it stands right now you have Indiana and Maryland at 10 and 7 in conference play. Illinois Rutgers, Michigan State and Michigan all 9 and 7. Iowa and Iowa's 9 and 8 and Wisconsin is 8 and 9. And uh it's it's funny like Nebraska's on like this huge heater and just have not moved whatsoever nope. in the conference standings. It is a tough uh it's a tough conference when they all basically play to an average level. I know that doesn't make any sense but it's just kind of kind of what it is. They can all beat each other, and they can all lose to each other at this point. So what do you need to see? Uh, let's forget the NIT. Let's have real fun. <laughs> what would you need to see where you start to, like, if someone starts to say, hey, let's have that other conversation about the big tournament. Mm -hmm. um, like, before you send them to the other side of the room and, like, don't talk to me, what do you have to see before we're at that point? I think Nebraska has to go 2-0 and against Minnesota in that scenario. So they got to win on Saturday. Then they'd have to win again in the Big Ten tournament because they'd be the they'd be the 10 playing the 14, I'm pretty sure. Or no, the 11. Out, right? To yeah. win regular season. Yep. And then they got to win that first game. And then I think that puts you in a matchup where you're getting Purdue right off the bat in that tournament. And I think you got to win that game. And you then go you beat Purdue. You're 19. 19 and 14, and then you're playing in the semifinals, conference semifinals. Well, if you yeah. win that, you might as well just win the whole thing. No, they would they would play um they play the four or the five. They play the six, like this. Yeah, it depends. They 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 could play like the six seed or somebody that so then they'd play Purdue and you're talking about this quarterfinal game if they win two and yeah. Okay. Well they if they beat Minnesota, like if it's 11 and and 14, wouldn't that put them in a matchup then with uh, with Purdue? No, you get a double buy. That's right. With a six seed. Yeah. I forget the double buy. You'd buy. be looking at like – I, I don't know why I forget. You'd be probably like that nine and seven uh, somewhere in there. You'd, like you'd be looking at like Rutgers or – Maybe I don't Michigan. know if that's enough, though, because then you're 19 and 14 and having to play like a Purdue or a Northwestern, which yeah. if somehow Northwestern's a two seed and Nebraska's coming through the bottom of the draw, 
that seems like a more manageable upset. I don't know why we're talking about this. As if we're get out of Fine, that's yeah. why. <laughs> because oh, of Brian. Have I'm not fun. even convinced they're going to win on Saturday. I just have this horrible <laughs> feeling that like expectations in Nebraska basketball don't go well together. Like this is a team that they barely beat in overtime when they had all of their starters, I believe, at uh, up in the uh, the barn up in Minneapolis. I mean, I just I don't know. I it's one of those things I need to go and see them do it. And quite frankly, if they can play like they did against Rutgers and just put an opponent away, that would make me feel a lot better too. Because then you can rest up a little bit. Uh, you don't have to play Tomanaga thirty eight minutes out of forty um, and save them because that. That Tuesday 8 o'clock game then becomes huge. You're just kicking the can down the road. Every game they win, the subsequent one is even bigger than the one that came before. And Michigan so. State's tricky. You know, I mean, um, obviously they've been through stuff way tougher than basketball. And so, the, I mean, there there's a lot going on there. But, they, like, they played great last night or the other night. And, yeah, uh, they smoked Indiana. Um, and this is now when – you start to you know how that program is. This is like the time when they they kick it in. Who's when every announcer can't help but tell you that March is or that March is where Tom Izzo builds his teams. Yeah, like so, he got a lot of mileage out of like one team that was underseeded that made it to like the Elite Eight, and other otherwise it's like he's taken ones and twos to the Final Four, and people act like Michigan State's a perpetual eight seed that makes a run every year. Yeah, I'm calling them out a little bit. I have to look at it. they. They do. They do sometimes feel like they they pull something out when you you're like ah, I couldn't have seen that coming. But um, if you look at them just as a roster, when Nebraska played them the first time in East Lansing, uh, they had enough deficiencies that I thought Nebraska left a little bit out there in that game. And frankly, it was an opportunity missed. So I mean, there's that part of you which says, yeah, you can get them roster wise, but. You, you know they're they're playing for a lot. They're they've been a little bit on the bubble themselves, so that's going to be a tough game. No doubt about it. I uh, I pulled up their their previous history. We can go through this next next pod. Tuesday on yeah, the yeah. podcast. Yeah, we'll just make it a we'll make it a hype cast version if we need to. Depending how Saturday goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> All right, we went longer than I planned. This happens every time I say we're going to do a short podcast. We'll finish very quickly with this. Does K-State Tominaga get 20 points and does Nebraska win? Give me a yes or a no on each of those, starting with fronts. An emphatic yes on both. All right, VC? Um, yes on the Husker win. I'll say no on the 20, but he'll have a good game. I'll say uh, like 17 points. Yeah, I think he comes up just short. He has like 18 points. Nebraska wins. Uh, so a no and a yes for me. I think the last time we all predicted Nebraska to win a game, they went and lost by 28 to Illinois. So yeah. if you're looking for somebody to blame on Saturday night when this doesn't work out well, come to Husker247.com and yell at the three of us. We'd be more than happy to engage with you on a Saturday night because that's what happens at Husker247. Be sure to check out the website. Plenty of stuff on the site. We have some some. Pretty interesting content coming next week. We'll uh, we'll dive into more of that during the podcast uh, next week. But there'll be some some unique stuff that you're not going to find anywhere else. So be sure to stop by Husker 24-7 to see all of that. For Michael Brunts, Brian Christopherson, I'm Mike Schaefer. We'll catch you next time. 
Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.